0: to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have you here with us listening in and also excited to have another wonderful guest. I will be doing some introductions in just a moment, but just wanted to welcome you here first to this space filled with motivation and inspiration and healing stories. Welcome everybody. I'm extremely excited today to have with me Terry Barilla, and she is here to discuss community resilience initiative. So, welcome Terry. Thank you for being here.
1: Hi. Hi Terry. Thank you for having me. And I won't forget your name. Oh, that's
0: right. I know we both spell it with one R, which is awesome. Yeah. Kindred good right right well my name's actually Maria Teresa but from the get-go my parents called me Terry so when I I remember being in college and the professors would be like you know Maria Maria and then I'd be like oh wait that's me <laughs> yeah so tell us um, tell us about we just talked a few seconds ago before we started recording um, that this is a grassroots organization so what is it um, that CRI does
1: okay Resilience Initiative was born out of the Adverse Childhood Experience, the ACE study, when I became aware of the ACE study and then the, the accompanying brain research that tells us how and why toxic stress disrupts our normal brain architecture, especially in those early years, but then to understand that because all of the different regions of the brain don't fully mature until the late 20s, that any, uh, toxic stress can affect that brain development all the way into our late 20s. Well, all those different regions of the brain are developing, and I, I have a biology background, so it just struck me like, oh my gosh, if every parent, if every child, every student, every high school kid understood how their brains worked, and why toxic stress can have those, uh, long-term health outcomes later in life, because of that change in our typical neurodevelopment, I just thought, "Wow, that's a no brainer, no pun intended, but it is. And and it's not rocket science, but it is brain science. But you don't even need to know the brain science, you just need to know that stress can change how our brains develop, and that that can affect our later health. And it seemed like such an easy concept, and yet such a significant concept to realize how important we now understand what the ACE study, or the Adverse Childhood Experience study, told us. And as you and I were just visiting before we went live, the more we can help our country, our communities understand why we have to support our youngest children to develop the social and emotional regulation skills that keep us balanced and and, in control of our emotions and, and. more adaptive to the world's environment, I believe the less shootings, the less violence, the less bullying, the less everything like you're experiencing in Cincinnati today, we have to get a handle on our social-emotional regulation. And if you were not born into a family of origin that knew, that had those skills, and it's up to the rest of us to make sure you learn those skills. And like we just said, you know, do you, do you want to wait and spend 65000 or $70,000 a year per person in a state penitentiary system like we have here in Walla Walla? Or do we put that kind of money into the very basics of preschool education? And we know that prevention works, we know that when we can help our children the way I like to think of it is it comes from the Dalai Lama. But if we teach emotional hygiene, how our brains stay healthy, like we teach our physical hygiene, what kid doesn't know how to wash their hands, right? Right. Or um, sneeze, sneeze into in the head. elbow, right? Yeah, and cover your cough. They, they know that because we teach it so well. But what if you walked up to that same first grader and said, how's your emotional hygiene today? What have you done for your emotional hygiene? Let's do an emotional hygiene moment. They look like you, like, weirdo. (laughs) You know, how do we calm our brain? How do we learn what that means to be calm? How do we really move into those mindfulness practices, whatever it is for you, where you learn to regulate, you learn to make the connection of the impact of your own ability to manage yourself, to then model it to your children, to, to your colleagues, to your world,
0: and that's what's missing. Yes, it's I agree. I mean today, and again, we had talked a little beforehand, um, but when I heard about the shootings here in Cincinnati today um, in downtown, I, I started the anxiety started to overwhelm me, but then I put all those mindfulness practices into play. Um, instantaneously you know lit my candles put on my meditation music went outside did some journaling wrote about it all of those things you know connected with nature went to the nature center near near me for a half an hour uh, just to connect with that peaceful that that peaceful space Um, and if we can teach parents to do that, like we talked about in a Head Start program, where you have parents engaged and bring them in to teach them skills, but then also the children and teaching them those mindfulness things. Um, so when something does start to surface, they they know what's co- they know that feeling,
1: and right. then they exactly. can. Kids have just never had the opportunity. To learn to connect, what that feeling even is, and where it is in their body, right. to then be able to identify it, to put words to it, to then say, "I'm frustrated. May I, you know, go outside because I need to put my feet in the grass,
0: right? Know, and,
1: right? Feel nature. So the more we can help kids, uh, not, not. I mean, I also support through the lifespan. This isn't only about children because, as I said, the, the brain takes until our late 20s to develop, and then additional trauma, even after the brain has been shaped, still will affect us, of course. So for us, it's building resilience across the lifespan, but clearly the biggest um, benefit is in those early years when so much of that brain development is underway.
0: Absolutely. So what is it that what is your organization, your initiative, do?
1: So we we have um, put we, we train. So we have put together the 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 science material, but in layman's language, we try to always keep it compatible to that audience. So we 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 call it the training, near training N E A R. That stands for the neuroscience. So that would be about how our brains develop. E stands for epigenetics, the newest. Uh, part of uh, research that's telling us how the environment, both the external environment and our internal environment, affects our genetic code because we're born with the genetic code that doesn't change over life but the ability to express that genetic code is what is impacted by both the external and internal environment and that's just fascinating to me that again, through mindfulness, we can be we can be recrafting new neural pathways. Oh,
0: that, neuro, the, that brain plasticity? The brain plasticity. Oh, I into, love it.
1: Yes. Right, and we understand so much more about it, even though we're still just at the tip of the iceberg. But right. We now know, for example, in the experiments, um, I believe I, I'm correct in saying it was through Emory, uh, that showed that male mice were... Brain to fear the smell of cherry blossoms because they received the shock, and that fear. It, what happened is it created the the nose, created the nasal system created new pathways to the pain center, and that was transmitted to the pups, the next generation. Wow. So the male parent was transmitting transmitting fear for that particular chemical odor. And the pups were born with it. They had never seen a cherry blossom. They'd never been shocked, and they hadn't even met their dad. But we also know that what they call those now tags, methyl tags, they can also be untagged. Right. And that's where resilience comes in, because for us, uh, now I'm getting distracted a little. I'll go back and tell you more about what NEAR stands for, but my, my passion was always about the resilience because the adverse child experience material of and by itself, while revolutionary in terms of public health, still doesn't tell us what to do about what happened. Yes. Resilience tells us anything you do that is nurturing, that is, is reparative and restorative, that creates those new neural pathways, it doesn't matter what your history may be. Correct. You can save that new history the minute you know about this and understand that what's predictable is preventable. And that comes from Dr. Rob Banda, the co-principal researcher of the original study. So the ACEs don't predict. I mean, ACEs are indicative they're risk factors. So Correct. So it's indicative of later health if, and this is the big if, if nothing remains changed. And so the minute you start moving into resilience and protective factors, then you're changing the outcome. So ACEs may be predictive of something that could have happened if nothing else changes, but that's the excitement. We know we can change it all. Sure. And so that's the resilience. And And so we're called the Community Resilience Initiative, not the Community ACE Initiative. Right. We're all about helping people understand the brain is plastic, and yes, it's harder and harder the older you get because your brain is more set and all of that. But you're never, ever static. Right. And then that, that again goes back to that's why it's more cost effective to start sooner because the brain is easier to shape early on. There's those two pathways where the capacity to grow versus how much effort it takes to get there. You know, like language. That's always a great example. We, we. My dad was military, and we were shipped to Japan when I was five. I was fluent. My mom tells me within a couple months. She learned like five words in three years. You know, and yet when we got back, I lost it because I wasn't using it. If I were to try to learn Japanese now, as my tender age of upper sixties, I, like my, I mean, she learned more than five words, but he'd never be fluent. Right because it takes too much effort and too much work and, you know, all of that. So I, I just think that language is, an, is a, an example that parents understand. It's like, oh yeah, so let's work early, not late. So yeah, we're all about, uh, so let me go back to NEAR. So Neuroscience Epigenetics, A stands for the A study, and R is Resilience. So we try to help shape what we're talking about right now through these trainings We then go into the next segment we call the brain states, because there's three major brain states. It's a generalization, but you're either in your brainstem back here where your spinal cord comes into your brain, and that brainstem is where you go for fight, flight, or freeze. Or if you feel threatened, if you feel overwhelmed by an event, perceived or real, You'll go to your brainstem because that's your brain's response to protecting you. Because Why? Because then you're ready to run, fight, flee, whatever you have to do to keep yourself safe, right? It's all about survival. The inside part of our brain that is the next big region to develop that has so many of those critical organs in it is our limbic system, where we learn emotional connection and relationship and empathy and compassion. But it's in the limbic system that all of our emotion is stored. And our hyperarousal reactivity is in there. Our language and our smell is in there. So that's where the mice males were connecting in that, um, what do you call your nose? Yeah, your your, uh, smell, your olfactory.
0: Olfactory,
1: right. Yeah, to create those new pathways to protect them from that smell because they knew they'd get shocked. Um, And then the prefrontal cortex is the uppermost advanced part of the brain, which is where all of our problem-solving... And executive function skills reside. So, in general, those three major brains or brain regions tell us um, how we respond to the world and what happens when we do end up uh, in our brainstem, where we then disconnect and we can't even like be connected to you in relationship or in language because language centers get shut down. Mm-hmm. Our ability to think and it's all because. Evolutionarily speaking, if you sat there and stared at the bear who's about to attack you and said, Oh, I don't really think you're going to attack me. I think you're going to, you know, you'd probably be dead before you decided to
0: take off running. running. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> run. Right. And so your body pumps all that energy into helping you run. Because if you were trying to problem solve with the bear, he's probably going to win, Right. Right. And the right. So you don't you don't take the time to problem solve. You just respond instinctively to protect yourself. So a lot of what we're doing is trying to help anyone who wants this information understand that while it's hardwired to go to your brainstem, like you just said about your response to what's happened in Cincinnati this morning, you didn't stay there. You have practiced and practiced and practiced different strategies that help you move out of the brainstem sooner so that you're not in a reactive mode, you're in a responsive mode. And you've learned to take care of yourself and manage your emotions and regulate by understanding all of that. So we're really trying to teach how, in a simple way how the brain works and that number one, when you learn to really deep breathe, when we realize how impactful that deep breathing can be, to bring us to uh, calm and teach what calm means because that's another whole story many, many kids don't even know what that word means because they've never been helped to understand the physical feeling, like cognitive understanding of why I now have to do something that helps me come back to calm. Right. So that's the whole brain states education part of our Observe, label, elect and solve. Recognize means recognize your own state. Are you about to flip your lid and scream at your kids rather than saying, "I'm in the red zone. I need to walk outside and calm." I mean, so it's recognizing where you are, so you manage yourself first and foremost. Because as a parent or as a teacher, or as anybody, the more we learn to regulate us, our mirror neurons, which is a special nerve nerve uh, system, kids respond. To, the, to us through that mirror neuron. They also call it serve and return, like when you're playing a tennis match, right. You wouldn't have somebody serve you the ball and then stand there and watch it. I mean, you know, you, you, you need to return the ball to have a game. And so that's how kids develop um, some of their initial emotional regulation is watching the parent. So the more we can manage our own calm, the more we automatically calm the child just by maintaining our So recognize, observe would be observing what the situation is for the other person to then help them by L labeling, meaning saying, "Oh, I see your hands are clenched and your face is like this. Can you tell me what's going on?" So you know, so it's observe, it's labeling what you are seeing, not to judge, but to help connect what that. Uh, inside feeling might be so the child learns to name the emotion to then be able to say, I'm frustrated because he just took my ball. And then you say, yes, I validate that, yes, you're frustrated, but that does not mean we kick or punch. We use words to say, if you want your turn, please say, is it my turn? So anyway, that's the L. And then E is elect positive intent because when we, it's kind of that mindfulness thing, when we assume that everyone, and truly believe, everyone's doing the best they can, given the skill set they have, then, then it's not, we call it the Q-tip, quit taking it personally, Q-tip. Yeah. They're not out to get you. You just happen to be there at that moment that something has happened that's triggered them. They just don't know how to manage themselves. So the more you can Q-tip it, then you're electing that positive intent where you can help build the skill, teach the skill, practice and model the skill, rather than punish them for what they don't have, which is totally a dead end, because punishing something, someone for a skill they don't own, what, what have you done other than further shame, blame, and bully them for not having what their life didn't offer them? Right, right. So left is positive, that's the positive intent, and then an S is solve, which means find what that connection piece could be to help bring that state of calm, or how to help them regulate whatever it takes to get us back into that state of connection, because when we feel connected, we will not act out on those um, base emotions.
0: Is this a, a program or a curriculum that can, others can like utilize? Is there a website that you have or something that people can
1: can right. We do have a website. It's, it's called uh, Resilience Trumps Aces. Three words there. Or is go with that because uh, resilience is not the easiest word to learn to spell if you don't. Right. We haven't really practiced that a lot, so our other uh, website is called CRI, which is our initial, Community Resilience Initiative, CRI Resilient. Okay. And we haven't yet, but okay. yes, we, uh, we really feel that if, if um, everybody could get this, we would just see a change happening. And even Oprah Winfrey, I mean, we've been working on this a long time, but... It's, you know, Oprah discovered aces and toxic stress and the impact of brain development. So we're hoping that when celebrities like Oprah help get the word out there, that the more the more we can expose people to what toxic stress does to brain development and thus open the door to resilience practices, mindfulness, whatever word you like to use for that. The more effective we'll be in helping to develop that social emotional health that's so missing. Oh, absolutely. Not, not only in our own society, but nationally. I mean, globally. Globally, right? sure. Lost touch, And that's why I like the Dalai Lama and the book that he wrote with um, Daniel Goldman. It's called, um, hang on a second, uh, a, a Force for Good. A Force for Good. And he, He just helps explain where we're missing all of this emotional health. You know, and he's fascinated by it because of course 2,000 years of meditation, which the Eastern practices know work, now we're being supported by all of this brain science, saying, yeah, it works, and this is why, and and now we know all the neurology behind it. So he loves helping to get the word out because it shows why meditation, in fact, or any form of mindfulness,
0: Right. So, who who's your target audience? Who do you hope to reach, or if you know, in your in your wildest dreams, uh, be able to reach?
1: Well, in, in some ways, I feel every parent is probably our priority target because if you're not aware of how your own family of origin shaped your patterns and and your response systems to life, you don't even know, in fact, that you're repeating some of those patterns that aren't helpful. So for example, you may have been raised in a family where discipline meant spanking and punishment rather than true discipline teaching. And so without even knowing that, you may use the strategies you were raised with because that's what you know. That's what you know, you right. Know what you don't know, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. that's the way we talk to parents, is this is not to shame you or blame you. That most of this is brand new material. It's only about ten years old. We didn't know how our brains shaped. We didn't know what toxic stress de- did. We didn't know about epigenetics in the environment. Now we do. It'd be like choosing not to use a car seat in this day and age. I don't think anybody would choose not to use a car seat, right? Right. Or I mean I suppose there's still some people don't don't um, put their seatbelts on, but typically we understand the impact that the car seats and seat belts have in saving life. Well, that's, that's like this material. The sooner we learn about it, the sooner we can interrupt that intergenerational transmission of the impact of ACEs. And so, I often feel parents are the first target, but there's a whole lot of other people besides parents. Sometimes I feel it's the children, because the more we can help kids understand how their brains work, we can build in the social-emotional skills. So it's really hard to pick just one category. In fact, a real quick note, we first called ourselves the Children's Resilience Initiative, because we did think it was so important to try to get into that preschool and early um, childhood. But we, we found out that some people weren't listening to us because we, they thought this was only a children's issue. And they, like the workforce world, didn't understand the connection to adult behavior. So we we went went through the trouble of changing our name because community resilience initiative is really what we're after. We also know from research in Washington State, and some of it's from our own work, because we've been working on this for almost ten years now, we know that while individual resilience skills, like the relationship, the mastery of skills, the optimism, and the hope for future, Those are critically important at the individual level, but you can't be resilient the minute you step outside of your room there if the rest of the world is bashing you, punishing you, ripping you apart. We need that community, or it's called contextual resilience, meaning the social support and how we come together to help each other. The fancy word is collective efficacy. How we choose to live together in community, because you don't live in that room I see you in right. for hours a day. I mean, maybe today you're going to choose to stay in it a little bit more than normal, but we live in community, right? We cross all of our social domains through our peer group, our individual group, our families, our schools, our community. So all of those groups have to know this material to help support you no matter where you're walking. Right. Yeah. So it's it is a full community wide system. I don't know if you've seen the documentary Paper Tigers. I have not, no. By James Redford Alternative High School, because again, we, we were one of the first communities to understand the impact of the A study and the brain development coming together. And the high school was able to just on that concept about when kids go into their brainstem, they're executive function brain shuts down because that's wasted energy. You can't do both. If you're trying to survive you, you don't also have the energy to problem solve. When the principal understood that one basic brain science fact, he completely flipped his use of discipline to recognize that the first thing when when the kid's in the brain's done, or when he What's happened to you? What has you, yeah, what have you experienced or what what is going on at this moment that has taken you into that triggered state where you're basically reacting out of a survival response instead of, of a connected limbic response? So, yeah, that that's how, that's what we're doing is that common language. Because when you have the common language the vocabulary, you can speak, you can speak that language, right? Right. Right. You can't speak the language if you don't have the vocabulary. So another way to think about that is we're teaching the vocabulary of all of this science into how we learn to regulate and manage. Right. Motion.
0: Well, and having an opportunity, I think, too, to... to um, to present to people, we we have a therapy dog um, who's sitting here in the room with me right now. But I thought she, I saw his head. He, oh, did she peek up at one second? Yeah, so that's yeah. Sammy, our our labradoodle, and so she's a registered therapy dog. And um, so we we created a little project. My daughter, when she was nine, she and her friends came up with this idea, um, and so we now have this project called Sammy's Bundles of Hope. And so we've collected. Um, stress balls and zen coloring books and markers and um, just so many trinkets. And we fill these bags and we give it to um, children who have experienced some sort of trauma. So we drop them off at particularly shelters, like homeless shelters that house children because displacement is actually. But it gives us then an opportunity to talk to caregivers um, about what it, do, what it is that these a stress ball will do. To help a child who is struggling, and so again, it, same sort of thing is that it gives us that that chance to then talk about, um, you know, when a child's having that meltdown and on the ground, it, it's screaming at them isn't going to do anything.
1: Right. I mean, losing right. your own calm is exactly why they're tantruming because they have learned that the way you manage unmet needs is to scream. Right. And, and so, you know, they watch us when we're in the uh, big parking lots and somebody's just stolen our, our space or, you know, the road rage stuff. What What's the typical response? We start screaming and yelling. And then we wonder why they scream and yell from the checkout line when we won't let them buy candy. Right. And we're screaming and yelling at the jerk in front of them in the next car over. I mean, that's model behavior, right? Right.
0: right. Absolutely. And that's like
1: putting your own mask on first, like, They tell you on the airline that is, you know, that is just such a great way to remind us we have to remember that we are the model for everything else.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, how did you get into this, and and how did this um, initiative come to
1: be? In part, it was because the the uh, Washington State had a wonderful. Um, statewide initiative called the Washington State Family Policy Council. and each county, so 39 counties in the state of Washington, had one person like me working on, at the time they were called the problem behaviors, adolescent problem behaviors, like dropping out of school and teen pregnancy. And uh, so Washington State was the first state, through the leadership of our director, Laura Porter, to hear about the ACE study, which happened down in San Diego, recognized what it, because there it was more of a medical model, but we saw it as, as a community model. And so we started to learn about the ACE study, we invited the two principal researchers in, we learned about the brain science, we learned about resilience, and so it grew from that passion of trying to help um, our community and the whole state of Washington understand what, A- and what, what ACEs mean because the Centers for Disease Control, which was the partner in the study, now says that ACEs are the number one public health epidemic. They use the word epidemic.
0: Yeah. Well, so I you mean, you think
1: health health
0: about yeah, yeah. the connections to heart disease. And like, like you said earlier in the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, that they're, they're predictors. For what? Right. For what could come?
1: Right. Um. Right.
0: And, and, and yeah.
1: It's, it's physical health. It's mental health. Right. It's risk behavior health, and it's a long-term ability to thrive as human beings. I mean, so much of homelessness and unemployment and and incarceration. Well, addictions. issues, addictions. Right. Are are tied to that toxic stress, and we now know it's more than the ten ages that were the core of the original study, you know, it is the community violence, it is the racism, it is the bullying, it's anything that creates that threat response system that takes you into the fight, flight, or freeze kind of protection mode.
0: Right, absolutely. Any myths or facts that you want to clarify for listeners
1: well, you know, one one that we battle all the time, and I guess battle's a pretty strong word there, but some people will hear this as, oh, so we're going to hug a thug," or this is the wussification of America. Right. Oh, it's going to be a pity party, and we're going to let them off the hook. It's like somehow some people hear that message when that's not the message at all. In fact, the way we say it is we actually people you with accountability when you understand why those patterns interrupt your executive function ability to be accountable. So we really, we really work hard to make sure people understand. We're not saying, oh, don't hold him accountable for his behavior. What we're saying is teach him how to regulate his behavior. Just because he didn't get that at his home shouldn't be a punishment for the rest of his life. Right. Yeah, so I mean I know that can be a burden because then schools schools have so much dumped on them, but they have the kids for the longest amount of times in one setting. And I know some school systems may not feel that it's their job to teach social-emotional skills, But if you know anything, and Maslow told us this back in the 40s, if you don't have your basic needs met, if you don't feel safe, and this is all about understanding safety and why we go to our brainstem, you cannot move up to actualization if you do not feel safe and connected. And so this is all about helping schools get that performance they want but not from the top down. You can't beat it into the head. You can't force someone to learn, which is a prefrontal um, situation, if they're back here. Well, if
0: they're hungry. If they're, if they're, if they're, or they're right.
1: hungry or right. they're tired. right, they're the lights bothering them. Yeah, I mean, we have to understand all of the biological, emotional, cognitive, and sexual domain effect that has you sitting there doing whatever it is you're doing. And so the more we learn to be stress detectives, uh, and that comes from a book called self Reg by Stuart Shanker, when we learn to look for those triggers, then we again it's opting that negative pattern that we would go into if left, you know, un- uninterrupted. So we learn to say, oh yeah, I've noticed that Johnny has that protein drop at 10 o'clock. So I'm going to keep protein bars in my classroom and we're all going to have a protein snack or, you know, whatever it is. But we learn what it is because typically there's patterns right. that you can find, you know. And so it's more, it's back to that question, what is going on for this child or what is happening to this adult right now that has them on that negative path? And what can I do to help correct that or bring them back to that Positive track. And sure. So be a stress detective. Look for those patterns.
0: Absolutely. Beautiful. That's my
1: son, who um, I kind of tease about my son, he's 37 now, but um, when he called me years ago to tell me that he and his girlfriend at the time were finally going to, they were announcing their engagement and then marriage, um, he was thir- I think he was 31, and, and my daughter was in the room with me when they called us. And apparently, I said something ridiculously stupid like, "Oh my God! Thank God you hit you know you waited till you're 30. Your prefrontal cortex is fully developed. <laughs> so you like, I, I think you're making a good decision. I think you're wired now." And I hear them kind of giggling, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, did I just say that? Because right? Did that come out loud?" Did, but that's okay. We know you were saying congratulations. All right. <laughs> And I see him already being that stress detector because he's already learning to recognize
0: I mean, Paper Tigers was a documentary you mentioned, but any other resources that you've utilized um, that have have been, you know, pertinent to, to this program or you personally?
1: Well, there's a lot of material out there, so if, if readers want or listeners wanted to jump on the web website and look at some of those resources, but there, there are many strong programs out there today that help build those social emotional skills. But that raise did I mention raising of Americas? Yes yes I think uh, so that series of DVDs are excellent series maybe a community wants to come together and, and do them one a month for, for, for in sequence because it starts with with this power of that early learning around social emotional development how we can save so much money, so much pain and agony, so much jail, down the road when we dedicate our resources to our youngest members. And, and then what the, one of the, one in the series is called DNA is Not Destiny. So how do, how do we, again, uh, create the safest, healthiest environments to live in? The other one was called Wounded Places. How, what do we know about PTSD in our neighborhoods, in our uh, bigger cities, and what do we do about it? So that, that's a fresh resource on my mind because I was just looking at it this morning. If even the movie um, Inside Out, one of Disney's movies. Oh, yes, Inside right. Out, yes, That's based on Paul Ekman's work. Paul Ekman is one of the, the international leaders on emotional regulation, and he has a, a parent PowerPoint that goes with that movie. Go to Paul Ekman's site that so walks you through behind the scenes of that whole film. But I love that film for parents because it helps us understand how and why we have to recognize the emotions in our children, not try to hide them, not try to put a blanket over them. Or, you know, like in my day, grown-up, and, you know, we look like we're kind of in the same age group, maybe, where feelings were bad things, and you were not supposed to express feelings because that made you bad. That is because our parents didn't know how to address the impact of those feelings. And I think that movie, that Inside Out, does such a good job of understanding when we recognize those emotions, We everyone deserves to have those feelings, what we need to learn is how to manage them so they don't become destructive, right? Right. You have every right to be angry when somebody cuts you off. You don't have the right to then bash their car or shoot them. Right? Right. So, how do we validate the feeling without it becoming a negative behavioral expression? So, it's back to recognizing stress behavior, not bad behavior, because most behavior is communication, asking for help for an unexpressed need. And that's back to the Q tip. When you stop taking it personally, quit taking it personally, you recognize the child or the adult just needs help to re-regulate. They're not, they're not really out there to, to cause you trouble. So the more that we can understand that misbehavior typically is based on stress
0: behavior. Right. Well, and I think what, what just popped into my head, and I told you I worked in Head Start for a while, and I right. uh, worked with kids in the mental health agency and the school systems, and one of the things, just honoring and acknowledging their emotion and saying, it's okay that you're mad. It's really? okay that you're sad. Yeah. It's okay that you're feeling whatever it is you're feeling. Um, just honoring that is huge in and of itself. Exactly.
1: But being validated? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what Dr. Saletti, who's the prime researcher on the ACE study, found in his work with uh, his patients. When, when he validated them, For their humanness, for their humanity, Um, they—that's what we live for, right? That sense of connection. Sure. And it makes such a—he calls it the witness phenomenon. When they were witnessed, validated by him, they were already moving into healing. Yes. Just through validation. Right. Right. hes really big on that piece of the research that talks about that validation, that witnessing, because it's strengthening the human spirit when we connect, and that whole connection in that limbic system is what brings us to empathy, compassion.
0: Right, right. Well, in one of the very first speeches I ever ever gave... It was at the National Crime Victims' Rights Week luncheon, which is a very big word. Um, And and one of the the way I ended it was I said, justice is served when our stories are honored. So it's amazing, again, when you just honor someone's story, their emotions, um, yeah, but again, what you said then, teaching them to regulate that. And no, you cannot punch that other kid in the face on the playground when you're angry. I understand you're angry and, you know, honor that anger, but let's come up with a better solution.
1: Right, right. All the so. skills. Right, exactly. the response skills. Yeah.
0: Right. All right. The question that everybody loves that I throw out: If you could meet anyone in the world, dead or alive, to help you with this mission of yours, with this passion, who would it be?
1: Well, that's a great question because you know my first thought on that was was all, all kinds of names, you know. But you know what I really settled on is I wish I could. Um, I hope I don't start crying. I think I'm going to start crying. I wish I could talk to my dad. Oh, yeah. Because he died before we knew all this. And he, he came from a very uh, heavy trauma family of origin. And then our family had quite a bit of traumatic experiences too. Um, a lot of, well, I won't even go there. And, I, and dad ended up using alcohol as a coping strategy. He used cigarettes, he, he unfortunately, like many, many people, developed coping strategies like Dr. Paletti says that got him through the day, right? Nicotine is the best chemical known to mankind, as an anti-anxiety, as a calming. My dad never learned how to calm, so what did he do? He smoked two packs of unfiltered camels from the day he was 14 till the day he died. So if he died 20 years earlier than he should have, And I would just love to be, and he was a physician, so I would love to be able to go back and sit down with him and say, Dad, why didn't, you know, if only we had known, because we didn't know any of this, but if you knew this now, you could have gotten help around your unresolved trauma, because he lost his dad at an early age, he lost the brother that, that, you know, became the dad at an early age, and he, he just lost those human connections so early in his life that I think his limbic system just never really was suffered. And then the, the trauma in his adult life Dad, You didn't need any of that junk. You didn't need the alcohol. You didn't need the drugs. Right. You didn't need the cigarettes. You just needed us, you know? Yes. And it has been even stronger. I mean, it's, I think we had so much resilience even around the ACEs in our family. But I would love to sit with him and see him say, oh, my gosh, what if he had known this, you know, back when he was alive.
0: So I think I'd like to talk to my dad. Yeah, that's beautiful and great answer. My dad my dad passed when he was 72, and he had come from a family of tremendous trauma. And I totally get it. I'd love to have my dad here and talk about it. I'm very blessed that I still have my mother. She's 82. She's a severe alcoholic. Again, tremendous trauma in her life. Um And my sister and I sat with her yesterday because she's in rehab right now and had a heart-to-heart, and we were able to sit down and talk about it and present so much to her, and it was such a blessing to be able to just sit there and present so much of this. Um, And and I think she's starting to try to wrap her her little 82-year-old head around it, you know. Um, And even to just see her acknowledge our pain – um, and acknowledge what she had experienced is just, I don't know, it was a very beautiful moment yesterday, and I feel blessed to have been able to have it. Yeah, so
1: back to validating that we all do the best we can with what we know, but now that we know this, we can do so much more. And yeah. so that's another thing that Dr. Anda says, with this information comes the responsibility to use it. Because it, it really is almost, and I mean, this is an extreme statement, but in my book, it is almost criminal not to be putting this into practice now that we understand what we what we now know. Right. So that that's another, you know, the sense of urgency to get this into everybody's hands so we're not having these shootings there Right, yes. So we're not having so much of this chaos and violence. and. Um, it's gonna take a lot because I mean that's the pattern. That's the pattern we've developed to respond rather than responding, you know, with with this material.
0: Sure. All right, we are we are near the end. My last okay. question is um, what is your dream job and are you doing it?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm in it. All right. I'm in it and right. trying to do it what I know how and with my colleagues helping me and with my whole hum- my whole community helping. To uh, do this work because I, I do believe this is the framework we need to heal America. But
0: every community needs to get on that. Awesome. All right. Is there uh, is there a Facebook page or uh, you know would you rather people just come visit the website? Well,
1: give yeah, uh, give us the website the Facebook is listed on the website. So resilience Trumps Isis. Okay. Um, or cri resilient. Okay. those, and then uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, I'm going to do a little closeout, so hold on one second. Everyone, okay. thank you for being here today and listening into the podcast. Until next time, be sure to be gentle with yourselves. Thanks so much. Bye bye.